Welcome to Leading Simple with Rusty George. Our goal is to make following Jesus and leading others a bit more simple. Here's your host, Rusty George. Hey everybody, welcome back or welcome for the first time to Leading Simple, where we're just trying to help all of us who are overwhelmed. I'm your host, Rusty George, and I am so delighted today to have back one of our favorite guests who came on just a few weeks ago to talk about heaven and what that is gonna be like based upon not just scripture, but also how it's verified in near-death experiences. And our information, call center, uh, Instagram, whatever you wanna say, blew up because of all of your questions. And so we got John Burke back to answer your questions and we'll get into some of his details here in just a little bit. But I wanna thank our friends at Red Letter Challenge who are sponsoring us today. Red Letter Challenge is an incredible organization that puts out resources to help your churches. And so if you're a church leader or a leader in a church, you can contact the friends at redletterchallenge.com rusty, and you'll get a discount that way. And you can get the book, The Red Letter Challenge, uh, which walks through the red letters of Jesus and helps you and your church put them into practice. They have helped over 120,000 individuals. Anytime a church does Red Letter Challenge, participation goes up. People get into small groups, lives get changed. It is a great, great resource. I've done it, I've recommended it. We've had groups at our church do it. I highly recommend this course. They even have stuff for your kids and it's available in Spanish. So just go to redletterchallenge.com rusty and you can request a free copy there of the book and then also find out about pastor's discounts of 10 to 40% off of all of their resources and a lot of free stuff as well, just for mentioning my name. So redletterchallenge.com slash rusty. Well, today we get to talk with one of our friends, John Burke. He is a pastor of Gateway Church in Austin, Texas. He's the author of the New York Times bestseller, Imagine Heaven. He's interviewed over a thousand near-death experience individuals and he begins to piece together what we might get a glimpse of when it comes to the afterlife. Incredible guy. And he was on a few weeks ago. If you missed that, go back and listen to that episode, episode 144, and then come back and listen to this episode because we're gonna be answering our listeners' questions. All kinds of questions about heaven, Will will dogs be there? We're pretty sure cats won't be there. Will my dog be there? All those kind of questions. So here we go, my conversation with John Burke. Well, John, welcome back to Leading Simple. Uh, It's always an honor to have you with us. And last time we were on together, you talked a lot about your book, Imagine Heaven, and a lot of the questions that have come uh, leading you to that study of over a thousand near-death experiences um, from a thousand different people and how that kind of lines up with the scriptures. And it, it really evoked a lot of questions from our listeners. And so we've been collecting those over the last uh, month or so. And I'm thankful that you came back on the show to help give clarity to all these answers. I know this will be an easy job for you. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> Depends on the questions. Yeah. I can't think of anything more difficult than trying to explain the unexplainable through the lens of those who have seen the undescribable. You yeah. Know? So, yeah. And that is always what I, I try to help people keep in mind is, you know, I, after listening to some of these people describe this experience, it truly is as if, you go from, you know, we have three dimensions of space and one dimension of time. Imagine 
going into four or five dimensions of space and two or three dimensions of time. Hmm. And then you come back and you've got to describe that. That would, it would, it would be like a flat person trying to describe, you know, three dimensions in two dimensional terms or, you know, trying to describe color in black and white terms. Mm. And, and that is what people are, they're grasping for words. But at the same time, you know, some of the things they say in common really does help you see just, you know, how, how true it was when Paul said, you know, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has imagined what God has in store for those who love him, you know, and, and that is, you know, that's, that's one of the things I hold on to, or some of the things when they're trying to explain, like for the, for instance, the, the beauty of the, of nature in heaven. I mean, God created all this nature, all we love. It's all that plus. So true. And they say, but, but imagine colors far beyond anything we can see here and every shade, thousands of shades of blue or green, and you can see it all. And it's like, everything we see here is like a muted, very dull version of that. And then the love that you feel, the, the, the ability to communicate perfectly, um, just the sense of overwhelming belonging, like this is where I was meant to be, mm. you know, experiencing the love of God, which is like, this is what I've been searching for my whole life. And they'll say things like, imagine the greatest love you've tasted all throughout your life, mm. put it all together into one and multiply it by a thousand. <laughs> and they, they say things like that and you go, oh, okay. And, and I think honestly, that's the only way to begin to get at, you know, the wonders of what God's prepared for us is Mm -hmm. take this life and magnify it. Is there an average length of time that people experience on the other side, so to speak? I mean, what what are the stats on how long a near-death experience lasts or how long a person has been out? Any information on that? Well, I, so I'll answer it several ways. Um, You've got people who, you know, their, their, their heart will stop beating, you know, they'll have a cardiac arrest in a doctor's office, they'll jump them. And so they'll be out a minute, two minutes, you know, with no heartbeat, three minutes, but they might still leave their body be up above, they, they realize they have a spiritual body, they feel overwhelming peace, and then boom, they're back in. Um, Other people, uh, Dr. Mary Neal, you know, is a spine surgeon I interviewed, um, she died in a kayak accident where a kayak got pinned under a waterfall. It was under the waterfall for thir- 15 minutes. They didn't find her body for another 15. So she was 30 minutes dead. Mm. <laughs> um, wow. Dean Braxton had sepsis, uh, in the hospital. Um, uh, I can't even remember what originally got him there, but the sepsis is what killed him. And he was 45 minutes dead. Mm. and has the record. So, I mean, you've got all kinds of links. Now, here's the interesting thing. So the second way I'll answer the question, I couldn't find any correlation between the amount of time you're dead, earth time, and the depth of experience of kind of the commonalities or the, the things that people, uh, you know, commonly say. So for instance, um, and, and some who have done research on this have defined it like a shallow near-death experience to uh, 
full-blown deep one and there they, there's even a scale mm-hmm. um that's used and i couldn't find any correlation hmm. um between how they die or what's going on here and and that and all i can figure is on that only god knows right honestly yeah it does seem like we're kind of uh i don't know like, like you always say we're we're using only a few senses to describe the uh the indescribable and and we don't even think in those terms of time but i'll tell you what always gets me is you know if i was talking to a group of lawyers yesterday um who i didn't know you know whether they're believers or not we were talking about this subject and i said well think about this you know if you have one eyewitness to an to an event in a court of law that's not a very strong case if you had 10 eyewitnesses, all from different perspectives, let's say it's a car accident or something, and they're all around different corners of the street. And if all 10 say the exact same thing, that's collusion. That's a problem. Mm-hmm. So they actually look for, they're, they're saying overlapping things, but from different perspectives. And if you had 10 whose stories overlap to give you a bigger picture, that'd be an incredibly strong case. Mm-hmm. With near-death experiences, you know, we have, for instance, right now, 300 cases where people left their body, observed things that could be verified and have been verified, multiple things that they talked about. Another study done found that 96% of observations made while out of the body for those who are having a near-death experience. So they like observe their resuscitation, observe what the doctors are doing in the room, but they're clinically dead. Mm. They have no heartbeat, maybe no brain waves, And yet they come back and they're 96% completely accurate. Mm. Uh, another, um, another 6% had some inaccuracies. Only 2% had, were, were inaccurate of the observations. Mm. So you're talking about, as well, you're talking about millions of people all around the globe having these experiences and record reporting the same commonalities wow i mean that's a that's a that's an apologetic case that i mean nobody's been able to explain it away well that that brings us to a great transition then with all of this information that you've collected all the things that you've seen and you had a great statement in our last interview where you said you know, you don't want to base your theology off of near-death experiences, but they do kind of paint within the lines a little bit or give us a little bit of clarity as to how some of these things might happen. So as some of these questions come up that I'll read to you from some of our listeners, there might be moments you have to specify, okay, well, theologically, what we see in the scripture is this, and the way that's kind of played out, obviously, in NDEs is this. So uh, just pastor us through this and uh, looking forward to, uh, to what we're going to find out. So uh, one of the questions that keeps coming up has to do with age. And that is, what age will we be in heaven? Um, you know, if a child dies, will they always be a child? If you die at the age of 80, will you always be 80? Um, and then 29. I think the next, and, and then the next kind is... Uh, the answer is 29, Rusty. 29 always okay <laughs> what is the it was a good what, year for me yeah I, I would i would go with 29 i'd even go so far as 39 but uh definitely not 49 uh what do you say to that yeah it's a good question um so in the scriptures 
I don't know. And, and you're absolutely right. You, you don't want to get your view of eternity from what near-death experiencers say, and especially individual ones. Um, and, and the reason is, is twofold. One, they are interpreting an experience. And just because they had an experience doesn't make them any less human, any less sinful, any less fallible. It doesn't. Um, and these people will even tell you they're not, they're not more special than you or I. They're kind of shocked that they were entrusted with this. And they do feel like it's often being entrusted mm. with something. But the other thing, so they're having to interpret their experience. But the second thing is uh, almost, uh, I mean, a, a majority talk about a border or a boundary in this experience, they knew they couldn't cross and still come back. In some cases, Jesus would tell them, you know, you can't, you can't go there and still go back. And, and so whatever that border or boundary is, I kind of think of it like, you know, when it says in, um, what is it, Hebrews 9, it's appointed for yeah. mankind to die once, you know, and then the judgment. And so uh, I think whatever that border or boundary is, is true crossing into eternity. And I think that's when our decisions as well are eternalized, mm. whatever that means. Mm -hmm. um, but if, if time, if we're time bound, then we're no longer time bound. But that also means that choices are eternal. Right. So, yeah. So you don't want to, so, so that's why the only, the only person who's claimed to truly be in eternity and come to earth to reveal it is Jesus. The rest of us have gotten peaks maybe. Okay. Um, okay. So back to your question, which was uh, age, age, yeah. age in heaven. So again, time doesn't work the same way. Second you know, Peter three, eight to the Lord, a day is like a thousand years isn't a thousand years is like a day. Um, and that's what, people say near-death experiencers. Some say there was no time. Some say, well, there was time, but it didn't work the same way and you were never rushed. So in some ways, if there is no time, what is age? Mm. Okay. But on the other hand, you do have reports of people um, seeing their loved ones, which is a commonality, you know, and Jesus said, use your, use your resources wisely so that when they are gone, you're welcomed into eternal kingdoms. Mm. Right, so there's this welcoming party that Jesus, I think, was talking about that comes and welcomes people, and it's their deceased loved ones and you know friends, mainly family, but friends too. And so you have several instances, like Dale Black, who is a, a commercial airline pilot, told me that he sees his grand, his his great grandfather, um, Paul. Hmm. Now he knew him. He knew him intuitively. He, he knew who he was. And I don't know how that works, but the communication is, it's intuitive. It, it, communication is purely heart to heart. You understand everything. You understand and feel everything that person's saying and thinking perfectly um, without them moving their mouth. They can move their mouth, but without that. And he intuitively knew this is Paul. Now he had never met his great grandfather. He had died um, before he ever met him. But he had met his great-grandmother, who he called Ma, and she was there with him, but he only knew her as a very old lady, yet here she looks in her early 30s, 29. <laughs> so I jokingly say that, but 
But there's something to it because many, many people do describe people as in their prime, you know, or, or in that. And, I, you know, I just jokingly think about how, in, you know, to some degree, you really are, you're, you're continuing to grow until somewhere in your late 20s. And then it's, let's face it, it's pretty much downhill from there. <laughs> <laughs> Things start to break down. <laughs> yeah. I mean, think about athletes, right? Yeah. Yeah. But here's the other thing. So people can also appear at the age that we were most comfortable with them. So it seems that they have a choice. And I, and I only infer that based on how many people talked about, like they saw their, in other cases, their grandmother or grandfather, and they looked just like the last time they saw them. Hmm. But at the same time, they felt young. So, so they might have some similar, Don Piper, who was a pastor, talked about his, his grandfather and some of the you know, striking characteristics of his grandfather that he used to know and love. Um, and he recognized him just like he did then. But on the other hand, he felt young at heart. He, he had lost fingers. Um, he was, um, I think he worked in a mill or something like that. So he, he, he never had fingers on one of his hands in, in heaven. He did. Hmm. So age is, age is an interesting thing because I, I honestly think that, um, we potentially have the ability to to appear to each other at whatever that person would feel more, most comfortable with. That's mm. been my theory. So if you have a baby that dies, a child that dies, when you see them, would I mean when somebody says, you know, they lost a baby, but their grandfather their grandma's in heaven rocking that baby a statement more to comfort us or is there any reality to that? Yeah. I mean, so I'll be honest, like these are some of the things that as I dove into researching this were really like eye opening to me. Mm. Um, so I was shocked by the number of people who talked about the nurseries of heaven. Really? And yeah, but not like we would picture. So, you know, that's the thing. It's not, because, and, and I, I don't have this perfectly worked out, all right? Because, you know, I'm, I only get the data points of the people that I'm able to, you know, to talk to. Mm -hmm. And you got to get, get more to start to get a bigger picture. But I'll just give you a few data points. So, um, a woman in my church who I know well, um, you know, she, she had... Uh, she had a near-death experience actually as a child. Hmm. She had two. And, and, <laughs> and the angels are playing board games with her. Like they ask her, what's your favorite game? And then, and then they made it appear. <laughs> They're playing and she was just having the best time of her life. <laughs> so like, I think, I think Jesus was telling some truth actually when he talked about the innocence of heaven, you know, that... Hmm. The innocence of, of, a, of a child is really what we're all going to get back to. Just the purity of enjoyment. I think the angels are like that. Mm. They're innocent, mm. right? The, the ones that haven't fallen. Right. But she had a later, she had a miscarriage, um, kind of a late-term miscarriage. And she was bleeding out. And she knew she had lost her baby. 
And then she leaves her body. And so this is a little freaky, but she has a conversation with the soul of her baby. Wow. And her baby tells her, this wasn't your fault. You know, this, this is, don't blame yourself. Everything's going to be okay. You have to go back, but we'll see each other again. Mm. And, and everything's fine. Wow. So, um, so I believe that, I mean, my theory is we are spiritual, we are created eternal spiritual creatures. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, that's why there's a heaven and that's why there's a hell. This is just the birthplace. This is just the womb, like Paul says in Romans chapter eight. Right. Right. And so um, when we are born, it's like we are learning how to express ourselves through this physical body mm-hmm. that's got to grow and mature. Mm-hmm. And so to some degree, I guess our, our spirit is kind of not trapped, but, but having to learn to live in this trapped world, this limited world. Right. And, you know, I saw the same thing with my mom with Alzheimer's. Mm-hmm. So it can happen on the other side of life. Mm-hmm. But when we're free of this world, then we're fully ourselves. Mm-hmm. Wow. Now, here's the other thing, though, about infants in heaven. Is apparently there are also schools. <laughs> okay. Now, I know. <laughs> we're, going, <laughs> we're going there. Uh, and these, these are the places where those who did not have the experience of earth fully... Um, and I don't know, I don't know, is it died before, is there an age of innocence? Some think there is, Mm. you know, I mean, David said of his, you know, infant son who died, you know, he can't, he's, he won't come to me, but I will go to him. Right. Right. And so, you know, there is, uh, but there's a purpose for earth. I mean, we are, we are learning out of the knowledge of good and evil hmm. in heaven. There's only the knowledge of good. And by the way, angels still rebelled and in heaven, right? Free choice, free will. And God created a place for them where they could have it their way. And that's hell. Hmm. So there's something important. We're learning about the will of God and, and the love of God and freely choosing to love and follow God. So I think what's happening, I think, I think even the guardian angels that God assigns us, is, they're not there just to minister to us. They're also there to learn from us. Hmm. They're recording our lives. And when people get a life review, it's often their angels who are showing them their life. Wow. And I think they're learning from us the knowledge of good and evil. It even says in, I think it's Hebrews that angels long to look into these things. Right. 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 You know, that there, there, there's, there's a learning going on. So of these children, they have to learn and understand why Jesus had to come and die. Hmm. They have to, they have to grow up in the knowledge of, of the understanding of why the son of God had to make the perfect sacrifice. Mm-hmm. And of human free will and free choice. Right. Okay. 
I thought about you the other day. Uh, I I missed a flight, and it was one of those where you're running to the to the gate, and they literally close the door right in front of you. <laughs> We've all I'm, a lot of us. Have that had happened that. to me on the way to Sweden. Oh once. my goodness! <laughs> it was yes, a bad it's night. Like, oh no! And I I didn't swear, but I was I was visibly angry with the individual that closed the door. And later when I calmed down, I thought about you and the life review that's coming my way. So <laughs> <laughs> did you look up? <laughs> I did. <laughs> oh no. Really? Yeah. So I'll deal with that one again. No, uh, you know, you know, I don't think I told you this is the funniest story, but it's so cute. So, um, when imagine heaven came out at our church at gateway, we did, uh, you know, a series on it. And I was, and I was talking about the life review and all that. And then the next weekend we had a baptism and I had a, a door on the stage, right? And the door represented one day, we will all walk through this door from this life into eternity, you know, and, and you want to walk through that door having said yes to Jesus. Mm-hmm. And so then at the end, I gave people a chance who had come to faith to, to go through. So this little girl, she's eight years old. She comes up to the door and she's accepted Jesus. She comes up to the door and she turns around and looks up and waves. <laughs> and later her mom said, what were you doing? She said, I was, I was waving to my life review. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good. <laughs> Well, I didn't wave just yet, but <laughs> all right. Uh, another question comes in from at Furia three three three, and she says, "Will my deceased eighty three year old mother really be there to greet me when I pass?" And I've heard you talk about the welcoming committee before. So, what is that going to look like? Yeah, you know, I mean, Jesus said it really clearly that heaven heaven is a gift. That's he he purchased the right for God to forgive us of all our sins and by grace, unmerited favor, to make us right with God. And so everybody whose heart has turned turned to God in that posture of, I, I, I want your forgiveness. I want you to be God of my life. You know, I want what Jesus did to count for me. Um, that's all it takes. And God, God alone knows the heart. So everyone you know, who, who's, you know, C.S. Lewis says it, God's going to let anyone into heaven who can possibly stand it. <laughs> Meaning <laughs> you gotta be okay with God being God, which means we got to let go of us being God, you know? Yeah. So yeah, every, everybody, um, everybody who, who loves God and has accepted what Jesus did for the forgiveness of their sins will be there. Mm. And I do, and it's going to be, yeah, it's going to be life. It's not any different um, in terms of less than. And I think that's the most important thing to get through your, your mind is that this is less than. Mm. That's greater than in, in every aspect you can think of. You, you, Dale Black, Captain Dale Black told me this. He said, you know, one of the things that struck me about being in heaven was the absence of sin. Hmm. He said, I had no idea how sin infects everything on earth. And, and, and what he meant by that was not just, not just evil deeds done, but like, like it says in Genesis three, I mean, things, 
rot and break down and their thorns and thistles and snake bites and Mm -hmm. you know just it things are just difficult Mm -hmm. and it affects everything and so when that's not there it's just what the way god meant it to be it's just you know it's incredible and relationship as well so we do have our histories we know each other um we uh we we recall memories together uh we are going to enjoy life moving forward Mm -hmm. that's another important thing to realize is this life is is just the beginning of life that keeps going Mm. and but it keeps going in a whole nother way because sometimes that's a bad thought Mm -hmm. you know i've had it like oh i don't know if i want to do this forever life (laughs) well it's not like that it's not like that you're living in a life that is not as it was to be Mm. you know the the better way to think about it are those few moments that you get when you're in the zone with work and you're just enthralled. You, you, you wake up excited about what you're going to do, creating something or writing a song or, you know, it's that ongoing. It's mm. those moments when you're sitting around the table with friends or family and laughter and just you, you just have this sense of like, wow, I, w- I wish this time didn't have to end. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and, and it's, it doesn't. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, so we will have relationship, um, like here and, you know, my wife used to say, yeah, but we're going to love everybody. So there's, there's not gonna be any special relationship. Mm. And we had to talk that one through Mm -hmm. because I don't think that's true either. You know, God gave us our, our families and he gave us special relationships here on earth and he's not going to take it away. I mean, Jesus said to his disciples, hey, you know, I'm going to come and get you and you're always going to be with me where I am. We're going to be together. We're going to drink wine. We're going to eat the feast at God's table, you know, and, and, and that's just a, a, a little picture of it. Mm. Now think about when Jesus came back in his resurrection body, he ate fish, he could be touched, mm-hmm. they hugged. Right. Yeah, that's such a great metaphor there, such a great analogy regarding what Jesus looked like after his resurrection. Okay, so... Um, and, oh, and by the way, just to go back, Jesus also could change his appearance, couldn't he? That's true, yes. On the Emmaus Road, they didn't recognize him yeah. until he breaks bread, and then they recognize him. And Mary didn't recognize him at first either. Right. Interesting, I hadn't thought about that. Okay, so an, another question. I think we've all wondered this before. This is from Kathy Gordon, 5841. She says... Can our family members in heaven see us? I think there's moments where you wonder if dad is looking down on you. So yeah, what do you think there? Hey, we're going to take a brief pause from our conversation today to talk about this very exciting thing that's coming up. And sometime this month, we will hit 1 million downloads of the podcast. I cannot say thank you enough to you for doing this. It's because you subscribe and you share and you listen that we're able to keep doing this. And it is so fun for me to be able to be a part of your life. And we want to celebrate. And so as we hit our 1 millionth download, we're going to give out several different gift baskets that are filled with Starbucks cards, a leading simple mug, and signed copies of all my books and some other goodies as well. All you got to do to be part of the raffle for those gifts is go to PastorRustyGeorge.com to register. 
Just go to PastorRustyGeorge.com, sign up there for the millionth download giveaway, and we would love to put you in that, that raffle to possibly get that great gift that we're sending out. We're sending out several, so the chances are good. Make sure that you sign up for that today. Okay, thanks again. Back to our show. I think there's moments where you wonder if dad is looking down on you. So yeah, what do you think there? Well, um, I, I did, you know, some people that I interviewed or the accounts that I studied did indicate that there were times that they knew what was going on or they could, they could find out, but, but they're not preoccupied with us mm. and what's going on. They're busy. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's like, like Dr. Mary Neal said, she said they were, it was, it was a bustling place. It was like a, he, she was talking about the city of God. She said, it was like alive and exciting. And people were like, we're there on a mission. Like they're doing stuff. Huh. But at the same time, um, you know, like even this, this one uh, near death experience account actually from the 1890s, mm. it's a fascinating one. And she talks about how her, her brother-in-law, who was the one who came and met her and kind of escorted her there that he had, and we have work, we have work we do, but it doesn't feel like work. It's joy. Mm -hmm. But he had a, a assignments and sometimes it did entail doing things, uh, helping people transition. Mm. Um, she did, Jesus actually sent her back at one point um, to see something going on and, and to comfort. Now, which I, I, you know, I don't get that. And, and here's the other thing I will have to say on that. I do think it's only at Jesus request hmm. and only for a purpose. And, and I say that because we are specifically told in scripture not to contact the dead. And I think that's a very important warning. God tells us that for a reason, hmm. because when, when we go trying to contact the dead, there is deception. There are evil spirits. There are fallen angels uh, on the other side. And by the way, we're in their territory. Mm -hmm. That's and that's something important to remember. So the welcoming committee that comes to greet us, and I heard this from multiple people, are there to love and welcome us, and guide us, and protect us. Hmm. And they said that. Wow. And after a while, I said, "Protect us from what?" And they go, "I don't know." I just intuitively knew. So those who go, hmm. who, who try to go to the other side unprotected are, they're, they're setting themselves up to be deceived. By the way, I think, I think possibly that's what is happening with some gateway drugs like a, like DMT, um, maybe LSD. It might be a real spiritual out-of-body experience, but right. but you're going there unprotected. Yeah, and and I know people who have had trips and they encountered the demonic in those trips. So just another warning for all of us to stay away from the what we think are harmless uh, seances and Ouija boards and those kind of things and any type of effort well, or transcendental mm. trying to do astral projection out-of-body. You know, trying to trying to do that kind of stuff, um, yeah, is it's dangerous, and God warns us not to. Right. But 
let me say. But at the same time, he does many times. I just got an email today. Um, what about like vivid dreams that almost emulate some of the things you've said that near-death experiencers experience, like where someone who's died comes um, and you experience them in kind of like this heavenly realm or what, mm. what's that about? Mm -hmm. And I think God sometimes does send emissaries for a reason or a purpose, mm -hmm. you know, but I, but we're not to go after them. Right. And I think, and I think the thing we're to do is, is ask the Lord, mm -hmm. you know, kind of like Daniel in Daniel chapter seven, when Daniel has this, this vision of heaven, you know, but this vision and all these other things. And, mm. and he says, I, I pray, God, show me what, mm. what is this? What's it about? Mm. Okay. Here's a fun question and has a little bit to do with what we were talking about. And I think you've answered it to some degree, but will we remember life experiences, loved ones, memories, those kind of things? Or for instance, if we have a loved one that's not there, they did not make it, so to speak. Will we have our memories wiped clean like in Men in Black? At <laughs> uh, Denise underscore 87 has that great, great analogy there. <laughs> like in Men in Black. <laughs> Here come the Men in Black. <laughs> uh -huh. um, I, do, I do think we will have memories. We will know each other. Um, however, and, and I mean, all, all you have to do is even look at the transfiguration. Yeah. Moses and Elijah are there, you know, they're, they're, they're not trying to figure out who is Jesus. Did we know each other? And, you know, they're, they're there. Um, they're real people. You know, God is not the God of the dead, but the living. Hmm. But the other side of that is. There, there is a, there is a scripture about how, you know, the past things we will remember no more. Mm -hmm. Um, personally, I don't think that means all the history of earth. We will remember no more. I, although I do think there might come a, a time, mm -hmm. whatever that means there, <laughs> you know, when, when it's, it is it's behind us. Mm -hmm. And it's an interesting thing that I had not thought about until I heard enough people say it that, um, you know, the, the, the river of life that flows from the throne of God that you see in revelation chapter 21, mm. um, is a manifestation of the spirit of God. Jesus even said out of their innermost being will flow for liver rivers of living water right? Of which he was talking about the Holy Spirit. So in heaven, the, this river of life, and it's, there are rivers. Um, when people went into the rivers, they, and, and I was shocked at this when I was like, no way. Like, can I even write about that? That's so trippy <laughs> because, but, but so many did. And they said, you know, they, they, they go in and they're, there's a cleansing property that's happening <laughs> and they can talk underwater. It's not underwater like our underwater. They can breathe. There's not, you're not having to hold your breath. You come out, you're dry. Wow. So it's a different, it's a different kind of experience. And several 
either people or angels said, yes, it, it's washing away the, some of the last effects of the sin life. Mm. Now, at first I was like, where's that? How's that biblical? And then I realized, so the, the tree of life grows by the river of life, right? Mm-hmm. And go look, Revelation 21, the, the leaves of the tree of life, of the trees that grow by the river are for the healing of the nations. Mm. Wow. Fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. I would have never thought about it in those terms without the NDEs kind of coloring that in for us. That's, that's amazing. Yeah. And that's, and that's, that's the part I feel like is a gift is when you start to see enough saying the same thing. And I always start, you, you want to go back to the scriptures and go, it, it might be an interesting opinion or interpretation, but I wouldn't bet on it if it's not in the scriptures, mm-hmm. you know, cause that's all that God has, has said he's inspired, not, not individual <laughs> people, you know, who have right. accounts and, and some have accounts. They have interpretations that don't jive with the scriptures. Mm-hmm. And in that case, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I'd take it with a grain of salt. Right. Yeah, definitely. Okay. Last question. I know that you're pressed for time and I want to get this one out there. This is a, a really good one. And, and this comes from about three different people in different ways. But the basic question is this, walk us through the timeline. <laughs> what happens after we die? Are we immediately with Jesus? Is there a judgment day? Is there purgatory? Is there this in-between space before the uh, the dividing line that you talk about? Give us kind of what you can perceive <laughs> the progression. Okay. So when we die, we go to be with the Lord. If you're a believer, you go to be with the Lord. Second um, Corinthians 5. Paul says to be absent from the body is to be at home with the Lord. So there's no purgatory. There's no in-between in the scriptures. And that's not what I've heard from near-death experiencers either. Now, that being said, the life to come is a vast world. And what they've said is when, when you leave your body, you begin a journey. And it's a journey either toward God or it's a journey away from God. Mm. And again, all who want God, they get God. So the only way you get to journey away from God is if that's what you want. Like, I don't want God. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so people leave their body. Um, they, they have a spiritual body and they typically, you know, I mean, they feel like they've got 50 senses, a hundred senses. It's like, life turbocharged there's peace there's a joy at first you know they they see many times what's going on in the surroundings around them Hmm. um they're not they they realize they're they've died they realize that well that's my body that i lived in on earth but they realize this is me Mm -hmm. and they see it for what it is and they're you know they even still understand what's going on with the people around them. They don't want them to be sad or sorry because they're like, I'm great. Right. And then there's a transition usually. Now, let me stop and say it's not the same for everybody. And I, I don't know why. God knows why, right? Some people, they die and boom, they're at the gates of the city of God. Mm. That was true of Don Piper. Um, 
and and by the way, I don't think it's because he was a pastor and others weren't, because mm. there are other pastors and they had a different, <laughs> you know. So it's not it's not like he, he got on the fast track elevator. Um, there's usually a transition through some describe it as like a a tunnel that opens up mm. in this world, and some describe it as a as black, but they're headed toward a light and they're going fast, but they it's it's not scary. Um, others describe it as a tunnel of light. Others describe leaving physical earth and they watch it go be behind them and they're going at the speed of light out in outer space on like a, they describe it as a pathway of light. Mm. Hmm. But it's not the same for everybody. Right. Um, there, it, it, it seems like there is, it's almost like, and I, I don't know, you know, I've in imagine heaven I postulated is that like what we call a wormhole from one time space dimension to another. Mm. I don't know. Um, maybe it's just God's creative way of bringing his children home in the way that would be exciting to them. Wow. Whichever way you, you find yourself ending up in this beautiful paradise mm. paradise, um, is, is actually outside the, the city of God, mm. the New Jerusalem. The city of God, by the way, is bigger than any city you've ever seen here. And it's a three-dimensional city. So it's as tall as it is wide and long. So yeah, figure that out. Again, you know, the, the time and space, they don't work the same way. Mm. Um, but the beauty of, of heaven is... Uh, is not unlike earth. It's trees and meadows and mountains and valleys and streams and bodies of water and people playing and villages and dogs and cats and kids running after them. And, uh, and, and then other experiences that are just like, wow, you know, like angels that are hmm. shooting across the sky and these glorious chants that just reverberate across hmm. and, and, and people realizing that, if they didn't, if they didn't let out that just joy, it would have just explode within them because heaven is just a joyful place. Hmm. You know, you think about worship, worship in heaven. You know, I, when I, when, when, you know, usually worship leaders, you say, Hey, you, you better, you better start liking this because it's what we're going to be doing forever. Yeah. You know, I was <laughs> like, I don't know, man, that's not exciting to me, <laughs> but, but here's the difference. It's the difference in when you can't contain your joy. Right. That's the worship of heaven. Mm -hmm. It's like you got to do something with it because you're just going to explode. Right. With with how in awe you are and and how filled up with the love and the and the joy of God. So there are those kinds of experiences going on. There's there are, um, I mean, people describe blue sky. Others describe times of almost like a sunset kind of sky, hmm. but then light show too, like, oh, wow. like far beyond the, the, um, the, you know, Northern lights mm -hmm. of Alaska, but they kind of use that as, so eventually you come into the city of God mm -hmm. and, uh, yes, uh, it is a crystal clear city. 
And yes, it's gold, <laughs> which doesn't make sense, uh-huh. right? But they consistently talk about that, which is exactly what John said in Revelation 21, that just, you know, it sounds weird, mm. but it's otherworldly. That's, that's the best way to describe it. It's otherworldly materials. Mm. And so even like the, the, the gates, it, it's not like wrought iron gates with pearls on it. It's this pearlescent substance that's alive mm. and translucent. So you can see through it and the light comes through it and the light is coming out of the center of the city and it's like an, a nuclear explosion of light. It's, mm. That's what one person told me. It's like, you know, that the, the, the light at the center of a nuclear explosion, how there's nothing brighter. It's like that, except it's not hard to look at. It's mm. incredible to look at. But that light is emanating out through everything. And that light is the glory of God. Mm. And that light, they say, is also love and life. It's not light like our life. Mm-hmm. And it comes out of everything, which, again, John writes about in Revelation 21. In, in heaven, there is no need of sun or moon, for the glory of God is its light. Mm-hmm. And the Lamb, Jesus, is its lamp, and the nations will walk in that light. And, and so it's just this vibrant experience Um you come into the into the city and there are there are villages, their town, their homes, there there are homes that are immaculately designed. Uh and and so this is a crazy thing. And I don't know what I think about this. I'm just telling you the things I've picked up. I don't know if it's this part's true. Okay, <laughs> I mean, that's what I'm saying. But apparently, what some reported is that God had the people who went before them build what God knew they would love the most. Mm. And it's their dwelling place. It's their home. But at the same time, you're around the people that you love to be around and they have homes too, but you also have other places. Like It's like Jesus said, in my father's house are many dwelling places Mm. and we're going to be together. And so there is work. Fascinatingly, Colton Burpo, four-year-old kid, you know, when his, you know, his, his parents are pastors uh, and um, he, Jesus, you know, he was, he was with Jesus when he, when he died and his father asked him, what was your favorite part of heaven? And he said, my homework. <laughs> and, you know, his father was like, he was, he was six or seven at the time. And he's like, homework. That's, that's never a kid's answer. Right. <laughs> and he said, Jesus would give me assignments to do. And that was my favorite part. Mm. And, and, and so, you know, we're not going to be bored. Right. Um, music, the music of heaven is like, uh, I mean, this Dr. George Ritchie, mm. Jesus shows him this university-like setting where there are all these, it seems like experiments being done and people are enthralled in like research and work. And then there's this one place he goes into and they're composing music, he said, that was like of another dimension. Mm. It's just fascinating music. And I also correlated with about five different people who described the music and here are the different ways they described it. It united everything in heaven. It was like my body was tuned to the music. I joined in with it. And it was like hearing 
a thousand different songs from Bach to Queen all at the same time in many different languages, perfectly harmonized. Wow. I can't explain that, but I'm telling you multiple people talking about stuff like that. Mm. So, so then judgment does not come until the end of human history. Um, so we are, mm. and again, time works differently, but the judgment, it, it, it said there are two judgments. There's the great white throne judgment and there's the Bema seat judgment. And they don't come until the end of human history. So I don't think the life review is that. I think it's just, a, it's just the reality of what Jesus said. There's nothing hidden that won't be disclosed. Hmm. And what you, you know, what you say in the, in the darkness, it'll, it'll be revealed in the light. And you know, when you go into your closet and you pray to your father who sees in secret, he sees that and he'll reward it. When you give a cup of cold water to a little kid, which counted for nothing, God sees that. He'll reward it. So all those things, all those little acts of kindness, mm -hmm. all those little things that Jesus said, when you did it for the least of these, you did it to me. The Life Review is just reminding us that, you know, that's true. Mm -hmm. Now, judgment comes after all of human history is done. So we're not there yet. And there are two. The first one, the great white throne, I believe is, is a simple question. It's what did you do with God? Mm. You know, and... If you knew Jesus and you knew about Jesus, but you rejected Jesus, it's the, it's the realization of your eternal choice because your choice has now been eternalized. Mm -hmm. That is the decision of faith or no faith. And, and like, like I said from the beginning, heaven is a gift. You just accept it. It's, it's relationship with God and Jesus made it a free gift. Right. The second judgment isn't really a, a judgment at all. Like we think about a judgment. It's, it's a judgment like, um, like in the Olympics, right? So the judges are, are rewarding the performance or what, what those people did. And they're giving out gold medals and silver medals and bronze medals. Mm -hmm. and that's what Bema means. The Bema seat was the, the Olympic judges stand that the people would come up to to be rewarded right. for a race well, well run. Mm. And, and you got to remember that because it says... You know, we will all stand before um, the judgment seat of God to be rewarded for the things we did while in the body. Mm. God, God wants to reward us. You know, he already paid for the punishment that we deserved. So he, he's not going to do that. And we, we might see it and we might realize and be super grateful <laughs> mm -hmm. for, for God's grace, but he wants to reward us. And so it's great motivation as well that yeah heaven's a gift by faith but what we do in this life really does matter mm. it matters and even how we enter into eternity wow that's a great way to end right there it matters matters what we do here matters the choices that we make and as c.s lewis said he'll let everybody in who can possibly stand it uh, i love that insight john this is um as always, it's like drinking from a fire hydrant. Thank you so much for doing all the work. Uh, and we just get to, uh, to, to learn from, from your learnings. So I appreciate that. Thanks for having me back. Really grateful for this. I think this is your third time on the podcast. That's the hat trick. I think you get a <laughs> free set of steak knives. So I, we'll send I like that. Way. <laughs> Buddy, I appreciate it. Thank you so much. All right. Well, thanks for having me. Great talking to you, Rusty. See you. 
Well, thank you for listening. As always, I'd love it if you would hit the subscribe button. However you are listening to this, whether it's uh, through iTunes or through SoundCloud or whatever your preferred uh, medium is. And if you would share it with a friend, boy, that would really help us get the word out there because we really do want to help anyone and e- because we really do want to help anyone and everyone who feels overwhelmed. I've been there. You've been there. Odds are we'll be there again, but together we can get through it. Love to hear from you. You can DM me on Instagram at Rusty L. George. Until next week, we will see you then. Take a moment and subscribe to the podcast so you get it delivered every week. And subscribe to the Rusty George YouTube channel for more devotionals, messages, and fun videos. Thank you for listening to Leading Simple.